Hello everyone, my name is Shreya and let's read Harry Potter together. So we are still on the book of Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. Last episode, we read the first chapter of this book, which was The Boy Who Lived. In this episode, we're going to be reading chapter two, The Vanishing Glass. Let's begin. Chapter two, The Vanishing Glass. Nearly ten years had passed since Dursleys had woken up to find their nephew on the front step. But Privet Drive hadn't changed at all. The sun rose on the same tidy front gardens and lit up the brass number four on the Dursleys' front door. It crept into their living room, which was almost exactly the same as it had been on the night when Mr. Dursley had seen that faithful news report about the owls. Only the photographs on the mantelpiece really showed him how much time had passed. Ten years ago, there had been a lot of pictures of what looked like a large pink beach ball wearing different colored bobble hats. But Dudley Dursley was no longer a baby. And now the photograph showed a large blonde boy riding his first bicycle on a roundabout at a fair, playing a computer game with his father, being hugged and kissed by his mother. The room had no sign at all that another boy lived in the house, too. Yet, Harry Potter was still there, asleep at the moment, but not for long. His Aunt Petunia was awake, and it was her shrill voice which made the first noise of the neigh. Up! Get up now! Harry woke with a start. His aunt rapped on the door again. Up! she screeched. Harry heard her walking towards the kitchen, and then the sound of a frying pan being put on the cooker. He rolled on to his back and tried to remember the dream he had been having. It had been a good one. There had been a flying motorbike on in it. He had a funny feeling he'd had the same dream before. His aunt was back outside the door. Are you up yet? She demanded. Nearly, said Harry. Well, get a move on. I want you to look after the bacon. And don't you dare let it burn. I want everything perfect on Duddy's birthday. Harry groaned. What did you say? His aunt snapped through the door. Nothing, nothing. Dudley's birthday. How could he have forgotten? Harry got slowly out of bed and started looking for his socks. He found them under his bed. And after pulling a spider off one of them, put it on. Harry was used to spiders because the cupboard under the stairs was full of them. And that was where he slept. When he was dressed, he went down the hall into the kitchen. The table was almost hidden beneath all Dudley's birthday presents. It looked as though Dudley had gotten the new computer he wanted, not to mention the second television and the racing bike. Exactly why Dudley wanted a racing bike was a mystery to Harry, as Dudley was very fat and hated exercise. Unless, of course, it involved punching somebody. Dudley's favorite punch bag was Harry, but he couldn't often catch him. Harry didn't look at it, but he was very fast. Perhaps it had to do something to live in, in a dark cupboard. But Harry had always been small and skinny for his age. 
he looked even smaller and skinnier than he really was, because all he had to wear were old clothes of Dudley's, and Dudley was about four times bigger than he was. Harry had a thin face, knobby knees, black hair, and bright green eyes. He wore round glasses held together with a lot of sellotape, because of all the times Dudley had punched him on the nose. The only thing Harry liked about his own appearance was a very thin scar on his forehead with a shade of the light he looked. He had it as long as he could remember. The first question he could ever remember asking his Aunt Petunia was how he had got it. In the car crash, your parents died, he said. And don't ask questions. Don't ask questions. That was the first rule for a quiet life with the Dursleys. Uncle Vernon entered the kitchen as Harry was turning over the bacon. Comb your hair, he barked, by the way. About once a week, Uncle Vernon looked over the top of his newspaper and shouted that Harry needed a haircut. Harry must have had more haircuts than the rest of the boys in the class put together. But it made no difference. His hair was simply grew that way, all over the place. Harry was frying eggs by the time Dudley arrived in the kitchen with his mother. Dudley looked a lot like Uncle Vernon. He had a large pink face, not much neck, small watery blue eyes and thick blonde hair that lay smoothly on his thick fat head. Aunt Petunia often said that Dudley looked like a baby angel. Harry often said that Dudley looks like a pig in a wig. Harry put the plates of the eggs and bacon on the table, which was difficult as there isn't, wasn't much room. Dudley, meanwhile, was counting his presents. His face fell. Thirty-six, he said, looking up at his mother and father. That's two less than last year. Darling, you haven't counted Aunt Marge's presents. See, it's here under this bag, one from Mummy and Daddy. All right, thirty-seven then, said Dudley, going red in the face. Harry, who couldn't see a huge Dudley drama coming on, began wolfing down his bacon as fast as possible in case Dudley turned the table over. Aunt Petunia obviously scented danger too, because she said quickly, and we'll buy you another two presents when we're out today. How's that pumpkin? Two more presents. Is that alright? Dudley thought for a moment. It looked like hard work. Finally he said, so I'll have thirty, thirty, thirty-nine sweetums said Aunt Petunia. Oh. Dudley sat down heavily and grabbed the nearest parcel. All right, then. Uncle Vernon chuckled. Little tyke wants his money's worth, just like his father. Atta boy, Dudley. He ruffled Dudley's hair. At the moment, the telephone rang, and Aunt Petunia went to answer it. While Harry and Uncle Vernon watched Dudley unwrap the racing bike, a sign camera, a remote control airplane, 16 new computer games, and a video recorder. He was ripping the paper off a gold wristwatch when Aunt Petunia came back from the telephone, both angry and worried. Bad news, Vernon, she said. Mrs. Figs broke her leg. She can't take him. She jerked her head in Harry's direction. Dudley's mouth fell open in horror, for Harry's heart gave a leap. Every year on Dudley's birthday, his parents took him, took him and a friend out for the day. To adventure parks, hamburger bars, or the cinema. 
Every year, Harry was left behind with Mrs. Fick, a mad old lady who lived two streets away. Harry hated there. Laval smiled like cabbage, and Mrs. Fick made him look at photographs of cats she'd ever owned. Now what? said Aunt Petunia, looking furiously at Harry as though he planned this. Harry knew he ought to feel sorry that Mrs. Fig had broken her leg, but it wasn't easy when he reminded himself it would be a whole year before he had to look at Tibbles. Snowy, Mr. Paws, Tufty, again. We could find Marge, Uncle Vernon suggested. Don't be silly, Vernon. She hates the boy. The dentist often spoke about Harry like this, as though he wasn't there, or rather, as though he was very something nasty that they couldn't understand him, like a slug. What about what's her name? Your friend Yvonne? On holiday with Monjoka, snapped on Petunia. You could just leave me here, Harry put in hopefully. He'd be able to watch what he wanted on television for a change, and even even go on to Dudley's computer. Aunt Petunia looked as though she just swallowed a lemon. And come back and find the house in ruins, she snarled. I won't blow up the house, said Harry, but they weren't listening. I suppose we could take him to the zoo, said Aunt Petunia, slowly, and leave him in the car. That car's new. He's not sitting in it alone. Dudley began to cry loudly. In fact, he wasn't really crying. It had been years since he really cried. But he knew that if he screwed up his face and wept, his mother would give him anything he wanted. Thank you, Daddy Drums. Don't cry. Mommy won't let him spoil your special day. She cried, flinging her arms around him. I don't want him to come, Daddy yelled. Between huge pretend sobs. He always spoils everything. He shot Harry a nasty grin through the gap of his mother's arms. Just then the door bell rang. Oh, good lord, they're here, said Aunt Petunia frantically. With a moment later, Dudley's best friend, Piers Polkis, walked in with his mother. Piers was a scrawny boy with a face like a rat. He was usually the one who held people's arms behind their backs while Dudley hit them. Dudley stopped pretending to cry at once. Half an hour later, Harry, who couldn't believe his luck, was sitting in the back of the Dursley's car with Piers and Dudley on the way to the zoo for the first time in his life. His aunt and uncle hadn't been able to think of anything else to do with him. But before they left, Uncle Vernon had taken Harry's side. I'm warning you, he said, putting his large purple face right up close to Harry's. I'm warning you now, boy. Any funny business, anything at all, and you'll be in that comfort from now until Christmas. I'm not going to do anything, said Harry, honestly. But Uncle Varen did not believe him. No one ever did. The, the problem was, strange things often happened around Harry, and it was just no good telling the Dursies. He didn't make them happen. Once, Aunt Petunia tried of Harry coming back from the barbers, looking as though he hadn't been at all, had taken a pair of scissors of kitchen scissors and cut off the hair so short he was almost bald, except for his fringe, which she left to hide the 
horrible scar. Dudley had laughed himself silly at Harry, who spent a sleepless night imagining school the next day, where he already laughed for his baggy colds and cellotape glasses. Next morning, however, he had got up to find his hair exactly as it had been before Aunt Petunia had sheared it off. He had been given a week in his cupboard for this, even though he tried to explain that he couldn't explain how his hair had grown back so quickly. Another time, Aunt Petunia had been trying to force him into a revolting old jumper of Dudley's brown and orange bubbles. She, the harder she tried to pull it over his, the smaller it seemed to become, until finally it might have fitted a glove puppet, but certainly wouldn't fit Harry. Aunt Petunia had decided it must have shrunk in the wash, and to his great relief, Harry wasn't punished. On the other hand, he got into terrible trouble for being found on the roof of the school kitchen. Dudley's gang had been chasing him as usual, as much to Harry's surprise as anyone else's. There he was sitting on the chimney. The Dursleys had received a very angry letter from Harry's headmistress, telling them Harry had been climbing school buildings. But all he tried to do, as he shouted at Uncle Vernon through the locked door of his cupboard, was jump behind the big bins outside the kitchen doors. Harry supposed that the wind must have been caught in his mid-jump. But today, nothing was going to go wrong. It was even worse being with Dudley and Piers to be spending the day somewhere that wasn't school. His cupboard or Mrs. Fig's cabbage-smelling living room. Which, while he drove, Uncle Vernon complained to Aunt Petunia. He liked to complain about things. People at work, Harry, the council, Harry, the bank, and Harry were just a few favorite subjects. This morning, it was motorbikes. Roaring along the maniacs, the young holdums, he said, as a motorbike overtook them. I had a dream about motorbike, said Harry, remembering it suddenly. It was flying. Uncle Vernon nearly clashed into the car in front. He turned right around his seat and yelled at Harry his, in his face, like a gigantic beetroot with a mustache. Motorbikes do not fly. Dudley and Pierce sniggered. I know they don't. It was only a dream. But he wished he hadn't said anything. If there was one thing... The Dursleys hated even more than asking his questions. It was his talking about, I think, acting in the way it shouldn't, no matter if it was in a dream or even a cartoon. They seemed to think it might get dangerous ideas. It was a very sunny Saturday, and the zoo was crowded with families. The Dursleys bought Dudley and Piers large chocolate ice cream at the entrance, and then, because smiling lady in the van had asked Harry what he wanted before they could hurry him away. They bought a cheap lemon ice lolly. It wasn't bad either, Harry thought, looking at as they watched a gorilla scratching his head and looking remarkably like Dudley, except that it wasn't blonde. Harry had the best morning he'd had in a long time. He was careful to walk a little way apart from the Dursley so that Dudley and Pierce, who were starting to get bored with the animals by lunchtime wouldn't fall back on the favorite hobby of hitting him. They ate at the zoo restaurant, and when Dudley had a tantrum because 
The knickerbocker glory wasn't enough. Uncle Vernon bought him an, another one, and Harry was allowed to finish the first. Harry felt, afterwards, that he should have known it was all too good to last. After lunch, they went to a reptile house. It was cool and dark in here, with lit windows all along the walls. Behind the glass, all sorts of lizards and snakes were crawling and slithering over bits of wood and snow. Dudley and Piers wanted to see huge poisonous cobras and thick, man-crushing pythons. Dudley quickly found the largest snake in the place. It, it could have wrapped his body twice around Uncle Vernon's car and crushed it into a dustbin. But at the moment, it didn't look in the mood. In fact, it was fast asleep. Dudley stood with his nose pressed against the glass, staring at the glistening brown coils. Make it move, he whined at his father. Uncle Vernon tapped on the glass. The snake didn't budge. Do it again, Dudley ordered. Uncle Vernon wrapped this glass smartly with his knuckles, but the snake just snoozed on. This is boring, Dudley moaned. He shuffled away. Harry moved in the front of the tank and looked intently at the snake. He wouldn't have been surprised if it had died of boredom itself. No company except stupid people drumming their fingers on the glass, trying to disturb it all day long. It was worse than having a cupboard as a bedroom, where their only visitor was Aunt Petunia hanging on the doors to wake you up. At least he got to visit the rest of the house. The snake suddenly opened its beady eyes. Slowly, very slowly, it raised its head until its eyes were on the level of Harry's. It winked. Harry stared. Then he looked quietly around to see if anyone was watching, too. They weren't. He looked back at the snake and winked, too. The snake jerked its head towards Uncle Vernon and Dudley, then raising its eyes to the ceiling. It gave Harry a look that said quite plainly, I get that all the time. I know, Harry murmured through the glass, though he wasn't sure the snake could hear it. It must be really annoying. The snake nodded rudely. Where do you come from, anyway? Harry asked. The snake jabbed his tail at a little sign next to the glass and peered. Bow Constructor Brazil. Was it nice there? The bow constructor jabbed his tail at the sign again, and Harry read on it. This this man was bred in the zoo. Oh, I see. So you have never been to Brazil? The snake shook his head. A deafening sound behind Harry made both of them jump. Dudley, Mr. Dursley, come and look at the snake. You won't believe what it's doing. Dudley came waddling towards them as fast as he could. Out of the way, you, he said, punching Harry in the ribs. Caught by surprise, Harry fell hard on the concrete floor. What came to happen next so fast? No one was saw how it was happening. One second, Piers and Dudley were leaning right up the closed glass. The next, they looked back with howls and horror. Harry sat up and gasped. The glass front of the boa constructors tank had vanished. The great snake was uncoiling itself rapidly, the slithering out on the floor. People throughout the reptile's house screamed and started running for the exits. The snake slid swiftly past them. Harry could have sworn a low, hissing voice said, Brazil, here I come. Thanks, amigo. The creeper of the reptile house was in shock. But the glass, he kept saying, Where'd the glass go?
the zoo director made him, himself made on Petunia a cup of strong sweet tea by the apologists over and over again. Pierce and Dudley could only give her. As far as Harry had seen, the snake hadn't done anything except snap playfully at their heels as it passed. But by the time they were back in Uncle Vernon's car, Dudley was telling them how he had been nearly bitten off his leg, while Piers was swearing it had tried to squeeze him to death. But worst of all, for Harry at least, that was Piers calming down enough to say, Harry was talking to it, weren't you, Harry? Uncle Vernon waited until Piers was safely out of the house before starting on Harry. He was so angry he could hardly speak. He managed to say, go, cupboard, stay, no, meals. Before he collapsed into a chair and Aunt Petunia had to run to get him a large brandy. Harry lay in his dark cupboard much later, wishing he could watch. He didn't know what time it was as he couldn't be sure that the Dursleys were asleep yet. Until they were, he couldn't risk sneaking to the kitchen for some food. He'd lived with the Dursleys almost ten years, ten miserable years, as long as he could remember. Ever since he had been a baby and his parents had died in that car crash, he couldn't remember being in the car when his parents had died. Sometimes when he strained his memory during long hours of the cupboard, it, he came up with a strange vision, a blinding green of a flash green light, and a burning pain in his forehead. This, he supposed, was the crash, though he couldn't imagine where all the green light was coming from. He couldn't remember his parents at all. His aunt and uncle never spoke about them, and of course he was forbidden to ask questions. There were no photographs of them in the house. When he said, been younger, Harry had dreamed and dreamed of some unknown relation coming to take him away. But it had never happened. The Dursleys were his only family. Yet sometimes he thought, or maybe hoped, the strangers in the street seemed to know him. Very strange strangers they were, too. A tiny man in a velvet top had bowed to him once while shopping with Aunt Petunia and Dudley. After asking Harry fiercely if he knew him, the man, Aunt Petunia, had brushed them out of the shop without buying anything. A wild-looking old woman dressed all in green had waved merrily at him once on a bus. A bald man with a very long purple coat had actually shaken his hand in the street on the other day and then walked away without a word. The weirdest thing about all these people was the way they seemed to vanish. The second Harry tried to get a closer look. At school, Harry had no one. Everybody knew that Dudley's gang hated the odd Harry Potter in his baggy old clothes and broken glass. And nobody liked to disagree with Dudley's gang. Thank you so much for reading with me. I hope you come back for the third episode. And in the third episode, you will be reading Chapter 3 of The Letters from No One. Thank you so much. And bye!